0: Today, amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, I always like you, <clears throat> excuse me, to turn to an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. So I want you to turn to Psalms 110. Okay, I'm sorry, is, the pre- is there any pre K kids in here this morning? Thank you, Taya. Any pre K kids that want to go back to pre K? Somebody, they already left, okay. Yeah, and this is Big Kid Sunday. The first Sunday of every month, we have the big kids out front, so we have the, the blessing bags for the big kids. All right, so thank you, Taya. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's start all over again. Uh, kings and priests. No, it's okay. Kings and priests, and I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 110. Um, I always like to have you turn to an Old Testament passage and then a New Testament passage, and then turn to Ephesians chapter 2. So hopefully you brought your Bible or your smartphone, and you can turn there. But if you know me, I'm a teacher, so you're going to get a lot more uh, scriptures than that. And the, the first one we're actually going to start off with is in Revelation chapter 1. This is um, a series that I started uh, the 1st of January, if you haven't been here. Uh, don't worry, This these are all standalone messages, uh, but they do go together, so I encourage you to go back and listen to them on the podcast Um this was a message that I heard back in the 90s, back in the late 90s. That's hard to believe that we're saying that's a long time ago, you know, it seems like yesterday. But I heard this message from a pastor, and at that time, it was something I was really struggling with in my walk with God, and it really resonated with me, and I, have, I actually downloaded those messages that he used in this series and have really studied them out for myself and added to it and everything, and uh, that was... Um, uh, pastor from Covenant Church, in uh, Mike Hayes was his name, and so I definitely want to give him credit because he was one that really ministered this word to me, but it's in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 has been our main scripture text that we've talked about in this series, and uh, today's title, the last time we, we talked about this, I talked about I am a priest, and today's title is called I am a king, so everybody say I am a king, Okay, if you're a lady, you're a queen, okay? So we got kings and queens in the house today. And so in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Okay, so Jesus is the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us, everybody say loved us, and washed us, everybody say washed us, from our sins in his own blood, and has made us, everybody say made us, he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So that is an awesome passage of scripture, but it shows us in our We say harvest fellowship church is a great place to grow i I hope that you have found that our church is a great place to grow and my job as your pastor is i want to see us all grow into the fullness of him which is jesus and so what happens is is salvation we we come in this this deal where we find out that god loves us and it's not just singing the old you know jesus loves me for the bible tells me so i mean you actually know you go beyond just knowing that the Bible tells you that to I haven't experienced, I've experienced his love for myself and have come into salvation. Then you realize that you've been washed from all your sins, all the past stuff you have been forgiven. Here, here, here I'm going to share something with you. You have been forgiven past, present, and future. Amen. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he has made us kings and priests. But where we stop at, or we, because we haven't been taught. That's the reason why. That's the reason why a lot of people, it's just because we're have been we ignorant of the word of God. We perish for lack of knowledge. We haven't been taught this. So what happens is every time we go to church, we're ta- we're, and you need to hear this. I don't want to negate this, okay? I don't want you to say, well, Pastor Mark says you know, salva- salvation is the greatest thing that can happen to anybody. But we go to church and we hear about Jesus loves us, hear about Jesus washes us, and then we stop right there. And we're like, okay, what do I do with that? All right, well, God wants you to grow into him, and he wants you to be a king and a priest in the earth. You're living here. You're not just here taking up air, you know, just breathing good air. He wants you to be his extension into the earth, okay? So that's, that's the mindset that you've got to have. He wants you to grow into that. And you have to work with the Holy Spirit to grow into that. It don't just happen overnight. Now, I'm going to say this. It can, if you will really submit yourself to the Lord. How many of you are stubborn like me? Okay. (laughs) Janice is pointing at Leroy. (laughs) And, and, you know, you're stubborn, and and we're like, I don't know if you're like me in my journey with God. I'm like, well, I've seen that that scene before, God. I've been around that mountain before. Anybody? Everybody? Okay. And so what God's trying to say, Mark, the, the quicker that you repent... That's a good word, by the way. It's a great word. Repent and receive refreshing from God on high. Is The the quicker you repent and the quicker you submit your will to His, the quicker you're going to grow into being a king and a priest in the earth. And you can do it quickly. But the reason why is we're, we're still stuck in this Adamic nature where we're going around the mountain. Going, going around the mountain until she can, you know. We're going around the mountain until he comes, you know. And God's like, no, I don't want you to sit down here on earth going around the mountain until I come back. I want you to rule and reign in life. I want you to rule and reign in life. And so that's what God wants us to do. That's why he loved us. That's why he washed us. That's why he's making us into kings and priests. That's the whole gist of this whole series. I just summed it up right there. So, what kings do is they seek dominion, we're going to talk about that today. Kings and queens seek dominion. Priests and priestesses seek glory. But God wants us to do both, okay? God gave you two eyes, and that's the, that's the analogy I've been using in this whole deal, because it really helped me to understand it, is God gave you two eyes, so your two eyes are like kings and priests. You've got to have them both, Right? But you're going to have a dominant eye. Just like you have a dominant eye in the natural, you're going to have a dominant gifting of being a king or a priest. I'm a priest. All right? I know that. I can sit down by somebody at a at an auction school, because this happened not too long ago. I sit down by somebody at an auction school, and this lady told me her whole life story. And I didn't ask her to. Okay? And and it's because I'm a good listener. And I it's not that I... And I, like Tay and I, we talked. You got to be an active listener, okay? So I was there in the moment with her, listening to her story. And guys, I could take up a whole Sunday morning message. Her story was pretty phenomenal, quite the story. And I got a whole lot of barbecue sauce out of it, out of the story. This lady owned a ranch. I'm just going to tell you real quick. She owned a ranch up in California just we got a lot of California people coming to church here is maybe she'll come to church here who knows but she lives up in California and her family has a 3,000 acre ranch where they grow peppers and I heard peppers and I was like and she said and we make barbecue sauces and all kinds of sauces and I said give me your website I want to order some she said you know what Mark give me your address and I'll send you a whole box of them so I got a whole box of yeah it was really nice yeah so it was worth listening to her that day but what I'm saying is, is I have priests. I was there for auction school, business related, all that. But wherever I go, I can go to Walmart. I can go to an auction. I can go wherever. I can go out to sell a house. Priest is written on my forehead. You know, and it just comes out of me. And some of you are a king or a queen, and it just comes out of you. And we talked about, well, how do I know if I'm a king or a priest? Well, you're both. You're both. Look at somebody and say, you're both. One of them is going to be dominant. And how, do you, how you know is how the anointing affects you. So the anointing affects me is I want to pray. I want to give a prophetic word like I did this morning. I want to pray for somebody because I'm gifted to be a priest. That's my dominant gift. I'm also a king too, though. God wants me to be a king and a, and a priest. And somebody, I was looking back here at Hank and Rhonda. they <laughs> like, don't look at me. I, I, look at, I look back here at Hank and Rhonda, and how the anointing affects them is there was one Sunday he left, and he said, man, when you was up there talking, he goes, I just got this vision of creating this business, and this entrepreneurial thing came upon him. And I'm like, well, he's they're a king. They're a king and a queen. That's how the anointing affected them and but we're all called to be king because a king is about dominion and a priest is about the glory of God and everybody said amen. So and I always and I told you you can go online and, and learn how to find out what your dominant eye is. It's that triangle thing or whatever they do. And that's how I found out I was le- I'm right-handed in everything that I do except for shooting a bow and arrow and I'm left-handed because I found out I'm left-eye dominant. And I'm like, "Dad, you should have figured that out when I was little and I could have been a switch hitter, you know?" And uh, but but I found out that I'm left eye, I'm left eye dominant, and uh, and it's kind of unique because I do everything else right handed. So I didn't <laughs> eye <laughs> yeah, my dad's left eye dominant too. So okay. kind of passed it down. So kings and priests is what we're talking about today. What I just read that scripture in Revelation. I want you to understand this. This is not a scripture that's going to automatically transform you into a king and a priest just because I read it to you, and just because you heard it and you, you saw it on the screen this morning. What it does is gives you an illuminated mirror that you get to hold up against yourself and where you don't meet the mark in it, it gives you the grace and the permission to become that. Okay? I might say that again since you all said that's good. This is not a... Because I wrote it down. This is not a scripture that automatically transforms you into a king and a priest. What it does is it gives you an illuminated mirror that you get to hold up against yourself and where you don't meet the mark, it then gives you the grace and the permission to become that. All right, so now what makes a king? If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you five things today that makes a king, okay? This is not an exhaustive list, this is just a list that I felt like the, the Holy Spirit showed me and... Um, because so, you could probably sit here and add to it, or, or the Holy Spirit will tell you something, too. And if He does, just submit to that. But here, I'm going to give you five things of what makes a king a king, or what makes a queen a queen. And you're going to have to turn to, this is where I had you turn to Psalms 110 this morning. Psalms 110. And this, this psalm is seven verses long that King David wrote. Um, and it's one of the psalms that is most quoted in the New Testament, Jesus referred to this psalm a lot, and it's because it's a messianic psalm. It actually speaks of Jesus. And um, in verse 1, Psalms 10, and I want you to see the language in it because it talks about, it's a, it's a psalm about Jesus. It's also a psalm about King David. If anybody in the scripture that you want to study um, that really walked in the king and the priest role was David. Okay? Okay. He really, he understood this. He, and he he had the mindset for it, is what I'm saying, and he learned it from a, being a little shepherd boy. But in Psalms 110, he, he shares this psalm, and it's pointing to Jesus, and it talks about Jesus being a king and priest, and I'm going to read all seven verses. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool, and the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. you have the dew of your youth the Lord has sworn and will not relent. you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So there it is talking about Jesus being the king and the priest. the Lord is at your right hand he shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. he shall judge among the nations, he shall fill the places with dead bodies. he shall execute the heads of many cr- countries, he shall drink of the brook, by the wayside, therefore he shall lift up the head. That that psalm is just a prophetic psalm about Jesus being king and priest in the earth. And everybody said amen. But you can also relate this to you, when David wrote this, he was also relating to this to him personally, what the Holy Spirit was speaking to him personally about being a king and priest. You can also relate this to yourself, being a king and a priest. And what's David uses in this, and this is When I was studying this out, David uses a a literary, how he writes this, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and it's what they've they've come to term called expectancy theory, is what they call this literary writing. And what it means is, is this, expectancy, it's written with expectancy, okay? And so expectancy leads to performance, performance leads to outcome, and outcome leads to reward. All right, now I'm going to read this again in another translation. I'm just going to read one verse, and I like this, th- how it said this in the, this is the Passion Translation, okay? Let me get my clicker so I can show it to you. Is the, pas- the Passion Translation is uh, Psalms 110, verse 1. I'm just going to read the first scripture, and it says this. I like how it reads, Yahweh, another word for God Almighty, said to my Lord, The Messiah, sit with me as enthroned ruler. Everybody say, enthroned ruler. While I subdue your every enemy, they will bow low before you as I make them a footstool for your feet. That's Psalms 110, verse 1. So what God's trying to tell us, he's telling us this expectancy theory that he has for us. He said, yes, you were a sinner. Amen. We're all sinners saved by grace. Falling short of the glory of God. Yes, you were a sinner, but I saved you to become a king and a priest in the earth. All right? So the expectancy from God is he, he's leading us to performance. Performance leads to outcome. Outcome leads to reward. He goes, I expect you to grow into a king and a priest. Everybody getting that? That's what God expects us to grow into. He desires that for us. I don't, I don't want to get to heaven one day, guys, and say, Mark, golly, you just didn't grow. You just stayed a little bitty baby all your life. You were just on the pacifier till you got here. Now it's time to grow. <laughs> you know, and, there's a, and I'm, I'm saying that, and it makes me laugh, and I want you all to laugh about it, but there's a lot of people that have sat in church for 30, 40, 50 years, and they have never grown. It's like a big old nursery. Nobody, nobody's growing. You know, everybody's got the pacifier in their mouth, and they're waiting for the pastor to show up to spoon feed them. And, and, that, and that goes on. Until people go home to be with the Lord. And guys, I'm telling you something, we're living below our God given right when we live like that. God wants you to be a king and a priest in the earth. So David wrote like that, wrote with this expectancy theory. He's even writing it about himself. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm just going to read this scripture to you. I want to make y'all laugh, okay? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. And. The Apostle Paul, the reason why I wanted to share this scripture with you this morning, is the Apostle Paul wrote with this expect, expectancy theory, okay? This is what he tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians, his first letter to him. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, he says, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. I'm going to tell you what, this church was not sanctified and this church, where they were not saints, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you go back and study church history, the and you read First and Second Corinthians, Corinthian, the Corinthian, the where this church was at in Corinth, was a, uh, it was a seaport city, and it was like party central around there all the time. There was all kinds of heathenism, paganism going on, and it wasn't just out in the community; it was in the church. And so Paul tells them, "This is going on in the church." And he says, you guys are sanctified and you're saints. No, they weren't. They weren't. If you, go, if you keep reading in the next 15 chapters, he tells them what all is going wrong in their church. And Paul is speaking to them from a, from a place of being a king, okay, and a priest. And he's telling them, I want you guys to come up higher. But here's the deal. You don't do it by browbeating people. You do it by encouraging them. Calling those things that are not as though they were. And you've even got to do that to yourself, you, there's going to be some days you wake up and you don't feel saved, and you don't, I'm not acting like a king, and I'm not acting like a priest, and you get in your, you know, and if you're a spouse, this is a good way, you, you know, Jada's, uh, you know, telling me, Mark, you need to act like a king. You're acting like a little peasant boy today, right? And here's the deal, and some of us do. We wake up, we're in a bad mood, it's not, things aren't going right, and then we just start slowly sinking in the mire and the pit. And God's saying, I need you to get higher than that. When you're ruling is when you're over it. I'm not talking just over it mentally, but you're literally over it. Amen. And so when you go on and you read the rest of the First Corinthians, I'm just going to tell you one thing that's in there, and you may be shocked when I tell you this. But if you just got to read four more chapters and get to First Corinthians chapter five, and the Apostle Paul's saying you've got somebody sleeping with his mo- with his stepmother in the church. In the church. Okay, is that sanctified? Is that saint? No. But, but that's what the Apostle Paul called them in the first chapter because he's trying to rise them up to that level. You're not there yet. You're not acting like it, but let's get there. And everybody said amen, okay? So first, or Psalms 29 verse 10, another great scripture, says the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. I wanted to read that scripture because if we're to sit with him, and you're going to see this in the next scripture, if we're to sit with him, then whatever flood has come in your way, that the enemy sent in your way, God wants you to sit enthroned over it and sit as a king and a priest over it and don't let it suck you into it. Ephesians 2.6 is another scripture that tells us, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You are seated with Jesus in heavenly realms. You should be acting like, you should be ruling over stuff that's keeping you under. I love you guys. Because I'm preaching right to myself today too. So just think about this. In a courtroom, the judge sits and makes decrees, right? Doesn't stand up. The judge just sits up there. He's over everybody else where he sits at and he makes decrees. In the, old time, in the old times, in the wars that were fought, kings, where did they sit at? They sat on their horses or on their stallions at the back, and they made decrees. So that's how God wants us to sit in life. And everybody said amen. So here's the five that I'm going to give you today. Number one, this is a long one. This, is, this pretty much sums up the whole message today, point number one. You have established a throne over things that no longer are able to rule over you. You're not a king until you're seated above things. You have established a throne over things that no longer are able to rule over you. You're not a king until you're seated above things. I'm just going to throw one out, out here that I think we all deal with. I know I do. Is getting offended. Okay? Um, and I'm talking over little petty things, big things, little bitty things, whatever it is. We get offended. And I'm going to tell you right now, You can can tell the level of your maturity on what it takes to get you offended. And if it takes just little bitty things to get you offended, you're not a king and a priest. you still got work to do. Amen? So you're, you're not over it yet. It's still over you. And so God wants us to grow up. In the kingdom of God, a throne is simply a seat that is higher than any and everything that is around it. So here comes offenses. It's all right. I'm over it. I'm over it. You can't offend me. (laughs) Everybody's like, oh, I got work to do. Yeah, yeah. But here's the deal. What's happening today in the spirit for some of us is God's taking the pacifier out. For some of us, God is saying, okay, it's time to start. You go in the restroom yourself. Okay? And all these things, just like when we grow up, you know, in the natural, that's what's going on in every one of us. And, and here's the deal. The Holy Spirit, if, if you're really walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to work on you. Every, you're a work in progress at all times. I don't, we don't ever arrive in this life. Now, we can, we can get, better and better and be- get better and better and better. I want to get better and better and better. I want to grow from glory to glory to glory to glory, from grace to grace to grace to grace. Amen? Because I want more of his grace. I want more of his glory. But to get more of it, you've got to grow. And everybody said amen. So here's the deal. Romans 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall not have, here's a, here's a ruling word for you, a king word for you. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Okay? Pornography no longer has a hold on me because I'm over it. In Jesus' name, I am enthroned over it. I'm just sharing things that we, that, that's happening in the church at rampant pace that God said, Well, I need you to get over that so I can do a deep work in you. All right. Here's number two. Kings don't hold on to the word. They become the word. You know, some people just hold on to the word. I'm just holding on. I and I'm quoting it, I'm quoting it, and I'm holding on to it, God. And, and I know what we're saying, but what 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 the Holy Spirit wants to do a deeper work in you, that He wants you to actually become the Word. That, you know, we quote, I'm the head and not the tail. Well, that's great, but why are you still acting like the tail? <laughs> Right? I'm telling you. Okay? And that scripture is a great thing. to. I quote it too. But then there's times the Holy Spirit said, well, Mark, you know what? You're not acting like the head today. You're acting like the tail. And, you know, and you also quote, I'm above and not beneath. Well, you know, you're sure not acting like you're above. You act like you're beneath. And God's like, I need your, your quotations coming out of your mouth, your decrees to match your behavior. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit can really work. And everybody said, Amen. So don't just hold on to the word, become the word. And this is John 1, 14. This is Jesus. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the deal. Some of us in here today are going to be the only Jesus that people see, and he wants you to become the word. Become it to them so that they can see the word. That you're going through all kinds of hell on earth, and you still have peace and joy because you have become the word. And people are drawn to that because they see Jesus in you. Here's number three. Kings don't argue, protest, whine, cry, bellyache. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Bellyache or complain, they decree. Kings don't argue, protest, whine, cry, bellyache, or complain. They decree. If your prayer life is nothing but protest, You need to grow up. If your prayer life is nothing but whining and crying and belly aching and complaining, you gotta grow up. We gotta grow up, guys. We gotta get past that. All right. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 15 says, Do this is the Apostle Paul again, another king and priest telling us, do all things without complaining and disputing. I'm gonna tell you a lot of us, you know, Mark Ward and I were talking about this the other day, talking about the Apostle Paul. And I preach, you know, uh, you know, I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so if you're ever a teacher or a preacher, you're going to share something that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But did you know that most of his stuff was written when he was in prison? And he's ruling and reigning from prison, decreeing stuff, decreeing it. And we're reading it today, 2,000 years later. Just think about that. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 15, it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He's telling us, don't don't argue, don't complain, get above that. Look at somebody and say, get above that. One of my favorite scriptures is Job 22, verse 28. And this is a real kingly scripture. It says, you shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. God wants us to decree things. Something uh, Leroy Boatman told me, and I'm going to have to have him share this message sometime here. He was telling me he preached a message one time called I Am. And that's the name of God, is I Am. But here's the deal, when you use that as his child and you say, I am broke, you just declared that over yourself. So you got to watch what comes out of your mouth. Whatever follows I am, you are. Guess what? I am a king and I am a priest. And everybody said, Amen. amen. So watch what you start saying after I am about yourself. That is the name of God, I am. And so you're declaring, I am God. God, I am broke. Okay? <laughs> start declaring, and you are broke, busted, and disgusted. And God's saying, I want you to get above that. I want you to get above that. So you've got to start declaring it. And that's where and you've got to go against. You're like, well, I am broke. Well, here's the deal. Start declaring it and believing God to give you visions and ways to get out of brokenness. And he will. But he's got to get you lined up with him first and start declaring it. Number four, kings don't act like children. They are and act like mature adults. If you've ever watched a, if you've watched movies that where a king acted like a child, they didn't stay king very long, I should say. But you just, you see the king and, you, you know, and it, some people say, well, it's because of their, their robe or their position or, no. When you, when you really watch a king or a queen in operation, it's it's their mindset. It just becomes who they are. Yeah, they know who they are. And they walk into a room and the atmospheres change. Atmospheric pressure. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, guys, I'm going to tell you this. I'm just a little sidebar here. Being a realtor, I can walk into a home and, and the, the atmospheric pressure, I can feel it whether there's peace in a home or there's just strife. And so God wants us all to be kings and priests over our home so that when you walk into I want every one of y'all's homes when somebody walks in your home they just go ah oh, I just feel the peace of God. You know, I just want to stay here, you know. Amen. So that's being a king and a priest that can, there's an atmosphere that comes with it, but it's a mindset. It's not it's not it's not even a. It is what you say. I shouldn't say that because we got to decree it. But you've got to become it. It's 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 a mindset. You've got to have. It's my personality. It's who I am. Yeah, lifestyle. You you walk in it. I'm a king and a priest. And everybody said, "All right." So, but to do that, we got to quit acting like kids, and we got to grow up. And the Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthian. By the way, it's to the Corinthian church took him 13 chapters to do it, but he finally did it. And he said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I fought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Basically, what he was saying was I grew up and I got above it. I started ruling over that. It's sad when you see people that are 67 years old and they, they still act like a toddler and throw fits and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we got to grow up, guys. Amen? Got to grow up. All right, here's number five. Everybody learning something today? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Look at somebody say, I'm a king or I'm a queen, whatever you got to say. Yeah, you're either male or female, by the way, okay? All right, number five. Number five is kings are seated and settled. I'll say that again. Kings are seated and settled. And there's a great passage of Scripture that shows this, and it's in the Old Testament. It's in Exodus chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. It's the story of Moses. Some of you have heard this before. It says, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. And meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Ur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. So they're getting above it, above the battle. Sometimes you've got to get above the battle, amen? I'm going to say sometimes you need to be above the battle. Verse 11 says, as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. And Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Ur found a stone, the rock, for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. They won. There's a a lot of things to glean from this passage of Scripture But I want you to notice in this passage: as long as Moses was in a posture of worship, they were winning the battle. And that's the mindset that you have to have. And it's not just on Sunday morning when we sing our four songs; you need to have an an, an attitude of worship all the time, in whatever you're doing. That your mind is—I try to keep my mind always on God, God thoughts, so I can't let in other thoughts. Am I perfect at it? No, I don't think anybody is. But that's that's how you renew your mind, according to the Word of God. Aaron, this is interesting, Aaron was Moses' brother. And according to rabbinic tradition, Ur was the son of Miriam, which is Moses' sister. So Ur is Moses' nephew, according to rabbinic tradition. And so what we glean from this, even though they are physical family, a good church family keeps you seated and settled on the stone, which is the rock, which is Christ Jesus. You need a church family. Every one of I don't care how long you've been serving God, you need a church family. Whenever, whenever I come to church this morning, uh, whenever I, I come to church, guys, I leave strengthened, and because I've been in the house of God, I've been around other believers. Amen? Amen. And uh, we need to be around each other. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. We gotta assemble. We gotta be together. We need each other. And a good church family keeps you seated and settled. This word seated and settled, what I mean by that is when you're you're seated and you're not standing up and you actually are sit down, because when let me just go back to Moses. When Moses was standing up and trying to worship and holding his arms up, he got fatigued. So he needed other people around him. And then he finally sat down on the rock, which is Jesus. That's symbolic of Jesus, and so when you're seated and settled in the Lord, what happens to you is you begin to really trust God. And trusting God, I'm just going to say this right now: trusting God is not a risk. <laughs> some people treat some people treat faith and trusting God like a risk. Well, you know, tried everything else, let's try God now. You know, I mean that the risk, you know, risky. Like it's the you know it's the risk you got to take. Sometimes he does, sometimes he don't. You know, that, and I'm telling you, that is not trusting God. That's using God like a slot machine. And so real trust in the Lord, listen to this, real trust in the Lord is void of any risk. It's because you're seated and settled that that word is true. It's the absolute truth. There is no other truth. And I'm seated on it, and I'm settled on it. And nobody can knock me off. And everybody said amen. So here's the deal. When you're when you're really seated and settled, trust because here's what I've done. I have I have ran to God and got. Sit, and I'm not going to sit down because my back's hurting today. By the way, I, I pray for your pastor because I I did something wrong yesterday. As I carried my grandson on my back, he weighs about 40, 50 pounds. He, he, t- what 40? <laughs> 35. Okay, thanks, babe. Thanks. I was going to say 100. But so I had him on my back. Yeah, yeah tell you, he's like, my gosh, daddy can't carry 35 pounds. But I had him on my back, and I carried him for a quarter of a mile. So when I woke up this morning, I'm kind of like, eh. so I'm not going to sit down because I may not get back up. But, but what I, the illustration I was going to use was I would go to God, and I would get seated and settled, and then I'd get back up. But God, but God, but God, I and mean, God's got, Mark, get back over there and sit down. I don't need your help right now. If I need your help, I'll tell you. But really all I need you to do is stay seated and settled and trust me and keep decreeing what I told you to decree. And I'm, But I'm running. I'm, I want to help you, God. No, I don't need your help, Mark. In fact, if you'll just sit down and settle down, sit down and settle down, you're going to realize and you start decreeing, you're going to realize that I took care of this 2,000 years ago. But because you keep getting up, you keep thinking that you've got to fight this battle. I just need you to sit down and... Not shut up. I still need you to decrease some things, but I need you to sit down and settle down. All right. So trust is a seed that you have to plant in the Lord to produce a harvest of being seeded and settled. So there's going to be times when you're sitting, I'm, there's been times when I've been sitting in that seat and I'm just like chomping at the bed, like, God, I got to get up. I got to help you. I got to, you know, I got to fix this. I got to make something happen. And God's saying, Mark, I need you to trust me. And I need you to sit down and settle down and just keep decreeing. That's all I need you to do. And that's when you're really trusting God. That's real faith. That's real faith right there. So here's, and this is what you do when you're seated and settled. You will keep him in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's what you're doing when you're seated and settled. You're in perfect peace because you're trusting in him. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. And if you if you're starting to feel like I don't have peace, you just need to stay seated <laughs> until that peace comes. It'll come, but you got but you're worn against the flesh is what you're doing. The natural man. The spiritual man. Listen to your spiritual man. The spiritual man needs to be boss hog, needs to rule and reign, and tell your natural man to sit down and settle down. All right, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. This will make more sense to you now. We always quote this one. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And I promise you guys, when we start practicing this, not, and I'm talking about, you know, I'm up here, I'm not talking about practice. So was that? <laughs> I was thinking, I'm talking about, do, and I hate using the word practice. I'm talking about doing the word of God. That would be the, a better word doing this, you're going to start finding yourself more at peace, more at joy, more walking in the righteousness of God, because that is the kingdom of God, is joy, peace, and righteousness. You're going to be walking in the kingdom. You're, you're, going to, you're, just, you're just going to feel better. I mean, it goes into spirit, soul, and body when you're really in this place. And everybody said amen. Everybody learned something today? All right. My dad always comes back at the back of church and he goes, well, it was worth the drive. <laughs> you know? So I hope it was worth the drive today. All right, I want everybody to bow your heads in here this morning. And I want to make sure before you leave today that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I do this every Sunday because it doesn't matter how many times you've came, went to a church or came to church or, you know, listened to a preacher, listened to a pastor, it all comes down to, and we need to hear the word of God, but it all comes down to Romans 10. Have you called upon the name of the Lord so that you will be saved? It's that simple. Uh, but you have to do it. You have to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is God's son, that he is the Messiah, that he died in your place on the cross, and that, and you're saying, I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. And so I want to have um, the opportunity to... Um, The privilege to lead you in a prayer to do that. And every one of us here that do know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we want to preach that prayer with you. So let's do that. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit. So I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said amen. If that's the first time you prayed that prayer, your next step of obedience is following the Lord in water baptism. And we can do that next Sunday, or we can wait until Easter Sunday and do that. But we don't mind filling this up next Sunday and getting it done, if you want to get it done now. We can sure do that. But that's your next step. And... Uh, How many kings and queens we got in the house today? Amen? Okay. So we're going to go out into the world and act like it, right? Right. And become that. All right. I want everybody to stand up in here this morning, and I'm going to speak a blessing over all of us, the priestly blessing over you. And if you have family there, you can join hands with them, and I'm going to speak this blessing over you. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May be blessed in your health. May be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they're the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ, to the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said amen. Hug somebody's neck and say, I am a king or I am a queen, okay? Amen. By the way, guys are kings, girls are queens. Amen.